Hey, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray. I'm here with Josh. Good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, I suppose, sir. I suppose it is the I pause for a moment because you are three hours behind me, and I didn't know if it was the afternoon yet. Um, but it is, and we are belatedly coming at you with a look at a, a, a significant win for once in our lives. Um, is it, though? Is it? Well, I suppose that's one of the things that we'll be discussing. Um, but we are talking about the City 2-1 victory over Arsenal. And after falling behind 1-0 in the first half, in which we watched another performance that we have become so accustomed to this season, they woke up, scored twice in the second half, and saw out the game. So, the question I will start with for you. Does this make you feel better about anything, or does it make you wonder where that second half is more often, or were you even that impressed with the second half? I wasn't even really that impressed with the second half, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was good. I thought they saw out the game. I mean, they, 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 they jumped on them right there in the second half, but, I mean, the final goal didn't come until, what was it, like the 70th? something minute when uh, Raheem finally put him ahead. Um, honestly, I think the most impressive part about the second half was the second goal. Like, if I saw that more often, then I would feel better. Not necessarily the the... The, the the you know the way that Raheem shot it, but the but the team understanding where the other person is going to be, like that tends that is Guardiola soccer, football whatever, um that that's what Guardiola's system is meant to instill. Like, that you're supposed to know where your other guys are going to be. That's what gives Barta, or Barca the freedom to pull off those little nifty tricks and flips because they know that when they do that, they're going to have somebody coming up behind them who's going to grab the ball and probably pass it right back to them. So uh, I, I see what you're saying about the, the second half being a, a starting point, but I think this falls back on what you tweeted. We've been suckered in enough times by the this is the starting point that I'm not uh, – no, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, good stuff, let's hope we see more of it, but that's about the end of it for me. It was nice that they did. They looked like they pressed a little bit harder. They looked like they cared a little bit more. Um, I don't like the pressing, to be perfectly honest with you. I think the pressing is stupid. I think the pressing is stupid. It doesn't work in the Premier League, and it's a waste of the players' energy. I think you have to pick your spots. Yeah, you're yeah, okay. I will concede that. But I think this aimless pressing that that City does it run eventually runs the players out. Like even teams like Swansea seem to be able to to eliminate and get behind City's press. Like I, it's just there are too many good players on too many teams that that can get the opposing squad out of a sticky spot when City commit numbers forward. And as we've seen, when they do, it usually bites them in the ass. That's all I meant by that. Right. Um, yeah, I, I get that. Um, and, and it goes back to, I know we talked about this in the last one, but it goes back to Guardiola seeming to realize, well, teams are just going to hoof it long, so why the heck are we pressing at the back? Because yeah, it doesn't exactly. do anything. He seems to have realized that at this point. Um I, what I, I will, I, you know, I'm the one who tweeted it, so obviously I stand by it, but we've seen so many false dawns that um, I think there needs to be some consistency to, to to it before we can really start to believe in anything again, because this team has had a long stretch, and it goes back long before Guardiola arrived of, you know, 
playing really well in a game, um, sometimes even a big game, and making people think, okay, here we go, and then they'll reel off three straight, you know, bad performances. It's, I am loath to take anything from the future for it. It's nice. It's encouraging. I hope it continues, but I'm not going to sit here with bated breath saying, okay, now we're, we're right back on it, because I think that would be stupid, to be honest. Um, the, the other thing that I will say, um, well, <laughs> Arsene Wenger whining about the goals, um, I thought they were both onside, actually. Uh, we're going to have disagreement here. At first, at first, I thought that Sané's goal was offside, then I saw an angle that made it look onside. The second I, one, I, I don't think I have. I, I'm sticking with Sané's goal was offside, and I'm going to tell you why the Raheem Sterling's goal was offside. offside. Okay. David Silva. Right. But... David Silva was offside by a country mile. He made a play for the ball. He should have. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have counted. That's that's the rule. If the offside player makes a play for the ball in front of the goalie, then the goal doesn't count. It should be ruled offside. David Silva was off by a country mile. Yeah. If you go back and watch well, the replay. No, no one disputes that Silva was offside. It just seems that what exactly <laughs> is the rule because. The, the, he made play. He what what, what I've out. seen said is that Silva was also not in Petr Cech's line of sight. Right, but he made a poke. He made a play at the ball. He did make the a rule, poke at the ball. It, the rule, as I have always understood it, is if the offside player makes a play at the ball, it's an offside goal. I, I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen in call dozens of times. To where the guys, the, Raheem Sterling was obviously not offside. When 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 De Bruyne made that cross field pass, he was good. That that's that's totally legit. Everything Sterling did was was legit. It became an offside goal when David Silva made David Silva made an effort at it. At that point, the official should have raised the flag and considered it offside. And Leroy Sané was offside. I'm I'm gonna be that city fan. I said me and my roommate who who are both city fans sat and watched it because the first thing I didn't I didn't watch the game live. Uh it's been a rough week for me with funerals and such. So I got I recorded the game and I came back and the first thing that I saw I knew the score was two one. I didn't care about that. So I, I was curious. All I read was an article uh, saying with Arson saying they were both offside. So when I watched City score, I was already keeping in the back of my mind that Arson had said they were offside. I didn't know what he said because I didn't read the article. I didn't want to know anything more than that. I just saw that he said that. So at the time that City scored, it's all I was paying attention to. And I ran the replay back and ran the replay back. The only thing that I can say is I never saw the angle that you're claiming to have seen. I didn't so, see it either until like three days later because they didn't yeah. show it during the broadcast. I, I haven't seen the angle that you're claiming to see. So, But based on what I've seen on the broadcast... Both goals were offside. Neither should have been allowed. Unfortunately. Well, based, based on what I saw during the broadcast, I also thought Sonny was offside. So I don't think you're wrong to think that. I would just put it out there. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to apologize. I'm, well, I'm not going to apologize. Yeah, sorry, Arson. Screw <laughs> the hell out of Arsenal. I mean, <laughs> I, I, our, our job on this show, we always said we're going to be objective. Look, I'm happy with the win. I'm happy to take home the win. I would rather sit on a podcast after a win and say that they were offside than have it be 1-0 Arsenal and be screaming about, oh, man, no, was he offside? Oh, yeah. I'll happily I'll happily take the offside goals. What, what and I'm people, sorry about it, Arsene. What people don't like to say is that these things tend to even out yep. in mm -hmm. the long term. So... I can think of about five different penalty shouts that should have yeah, gone... Really. Year, so really? I will take two goals. I don't give a shit who was offside. I don't. I yeah. just don't. 
it's a, it was a point worthy of discussion, and there we have it. So, um, let, let's let's talk about beyond the officiating and whatever, what have you, the actual calls. Or not the actual calls. Wow, my mind is gone. Um, the, the actual players is what I was going for. The players who played in the game. Um, I think I think Kevin De Bruyne continues to be Manchester City's standout player at this point, without question. Every time I see him, I think I, I say to I say to Trevor, that's the best fifty million money has ever bought. Like, Remember when the fifty million dollar Bundes- Chelsea Bundesliga Chelsea flop? Sixty. It was sixty. It was sixty. There were there were city fans. I remember because that was a very protracted transfer saga. And I remember there were city fans saying, "This has gotten to be a circus. We don't need him. Move on." No, they needed him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we were to repoll some of those city fans now. And there, I think we know. (laughs) It could be like I never said that. Hey, if you're one of the honest people out there who will say, I was one of the people who said we didn't need him, just let us know. Just let us know. Let it's, us it's know okay. what you it's think okay. now. We can, if we want to make an entire segment out of our bad city opinions that, one, that we held at one point or another, then we could probably have plenty of fun with that. We can do, we can do it. I'm all down. I've got plenty of them. Show of, we should do that after the season, like our worthless predictions. Just come back and revisit some of our most awful, especially transfer predictions. Mm -hmm. I was the guy who thought Wilfred Bonney would work out. So if you, (laughs) you can tell us if you thought these things, it's okay. We've all been really stupidly I'm wrong. I'm not going to lie. I was excited when Bonnie came over. <laughs> we know. <laughs> I thought, hey, man, I thought he would provide cover. I thought he would provide cover. He never did. Never provided anything. Man, I want to ask you a question. During the broadcast, and and <laughs> what was great about it, was you listened to the... Uh, the excuses by the broadcast team regarding the reasons why Sonia uh, came on at the half. And I, I was just incredibly amused by it. It was a like-for-like like swap. Um, and, and they were saying, oh, you know, barring injury information, we'll keep you updated. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with injury. This has everything to do with Pablo Zabaleta getting washed like a baby blanket on the right-hand side. Like, they were tearing him apart. And and every time that that dude takes the field, it seems to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Like, the gaps between he and the guy that suddenly pulls the trick on the ball to go the opposite way just seem to get larger and larger and larger. Are you getting to the point where you would prefer to see Zabaleta on the bench rather than in the starting 11? Well, or are you already past I've that? I've kind of been there, yeah. Sonia's the better fullback at this point. Um, I, th- I think there was a injury, but he was fit enough to start the game, so it, it's not really... Um, but why would you start him in an in what well, even if well, he had that's what little... I that's what I mean it, it was they clearly thought he was fit enough to start so I think that even if there turned out to be an injury I don't think it was like a predetermining factor in anything um, I think you can hide him against lower level opponents but against the best teams like Arsenal he's gonna get he's he's going to have problems on the defensive side of the ball that was my question if there was an apparent injury. Even if they thought he was good enough to go, and there was a chance, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll risk it. Because there's, you know, there's times when it's game day injuries, and you decide. My question is, why, are, why was somebody deciding that, okay, he had shown himself to be injured, it's a great idea to play him against Arsenal? That's, yeah, that's I, don't, I don't, I don't know. Um... Yeah, I, I would have started Sonia, provided that he could play all 90. There's There was no real reason not to. Um, 
And I think as long as Sonya's fit, he's your first choice right back for going forward. Um, I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I the, Zabaleta has not, you know, I don't, I, I don't feel like every time he plays, I'm not sitting here like, oh God, like I said, the lesser sides, I think you can hide him out there and get away with it. Um, but not Arsenal. It's, it's not going to work if you do that. So that's, that's kind of. That's kind of where I'm at with Zabaleta. He needs he's he needs to be and I think is being slowly transitioned out of the equation. Should we all you know, you have a point on their point C that we're rapidly approaching, but I feel like there's a point B point five that uh we need to sort of talk about before point C. Good friend of the show, good buddy of the show, Mr. Ian O'Neill, had texted me and said that the Court of Arbitration appears to have reduced the ban on Real Madrid. They did, yes. Yeah. Uh, is that concerning to point C? What's point C again? Transfer rumors. Oh, yeah, it is. Because I think if they want Obamiang, they'll get Obamiang. Um, as for the rest, I mean, there is a transfer portion of the show that that I want to talk about here. Um, can can we say one quick word? Because I know no, we don't have to go into yeah, points. No, I'm, I'm I will I would like to go into point C, but I do want to share a quick word um, about. Um, cause I, I don't want to make it sound like this is like coming at you, but you have been talking about how slow Leroy Sané has been adapt to the prim- to adapt to the Premier League. And you have been correct. Um, but I think on, on, against Arsenal, we saw, saw the flashes for the first time, really, we saw flashes of why they paid so much money for him and why he was such a priority target for Guardiola when he came in. Because even with the offside goal, if you're going to call it offside, whatever, even with that, um, particularly in the second half, he was very lively, very everywhere. Um, obviously, we're waiting for the consistency, but you can start to see where the the talent is there. And I, yeah. I know and we knew that, yeah. No, no, I was, I was just saying, I was just agreeing with you there. Yeah, um, I don't think either of us ever disputed that, but it's, it's, it's nice to see maybe starting to settle a bit, getting a little more confidence about him, which I think has been sorely lacking too. I would hope so. The only the the, the last bit of criticism I would levy his way. And it's it's small. It really is. It's one of those things that it's like Raheem Sterling used to do it. And Guardiola has since gotten him out of that habit. It's the dallying around the ball when you have it. There were a couple times in that Arsenal game, and the, and the comment in the commentary team even called it out. They're like, he started, you know, doing this, you know, fancy footwork here, fancy footwork there, missed that guy running, missed that guy running, and before he knew it, Bayarin had taken the ball off of him. That's the kind of stuff that. You don't want to torch out of a player because that's what that's their individuality, right? That's that's the stuff that helps them create right. those amazing goals that that fans long and, for. And, and we and, talk about that with with John Stones too. There's another yeah, we did. We, did. we talk about it. This this sort of they have their own way of playing, and I, there has to, you, you know you don't want to beat it out of them, but at the same time you need them to be smart about it. Exactly. Sané just needs to be a little bit more smart, a little bit more smart, a little smarter, a little bit more intelligent. Uh, that is the worst statement ever made. Uh, a little bit more intelligent around the penalty box. Um, I just I just want to see him dancing left less on the ball and looking up more, looking up for his targets or if they're not there making those decisive moves himself, you know? 
It's that it's that whole thing that everybody takes after Cristiano Ronaldo when he just you know he takes both feet and starts swirling them around the ball like which way am I gonna go? That stuff's great, but you don't have to do it all the time, especially when you're surrounded by two defenders. It's usually not going to work then. Just be direct, take one of those guys on one on one, and rip off a shot, and let's see if your teammate can't follow up the follow up. Yeah, um, it's long been a criticism of mine with regards to City that they have this habit of being too cute sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and that goes back, again, long before Guardiola showed up. Their players have at times tried to be too precise, too cute too perfect at times, tried to do a little too many tricks, tried to be a little bit too clever. I think I already said that. But that the point I'm making is that is still something that some of these players, the trap that they fall into. So I think that, like we said, there's a line. John Stones does not have to be what some curmudgeonly folks think he should be, which is just a guy, stop running with the ball, just hoof it. You know, he doesn't need to be that. But, Hell you know, no, I, I like John Stones. No, I don't want John ball. Stones to change, because not just because it's a huge part of what Guardiola is going to want to do, but because, you know, that I, I do like that style of play. But, you know, there are times when you need to hoof it, and he's still learning where that fine line is. Sané, same thing. Sterling, same thing. Um... And and that will come with time and practice and a whole lot of tutoring, so it's it's not something that uh, there are going to be mistakes. I accept that, but um, I think finding that line is going to be a big part of their development because you're you're right to say yes. There were moments where he just dwelled on it too long, um, and that that leads to mistakes, possibly danger at the other end, counterattacks, you know, what have you. So that's going to change, I think, as I think the players are, are that particular player is smart enough to. I, want, I do want to talk about his goal, though, Go because offside or not, I thought the run was really clever. I thought it was a really intelligent run. And I thought that the finish was. It was sublime, you know. It was, it was a very collected finish, if you will. It, uh, was it Ospina in it that day? It was Czech or Czech. It was Czech, yeah. Czech coming charging out at him, and he just calmly and coolly just places the ball into the net, and he just sort of guided it. Just here you go. That's that's the stuff I think that may help some of these younger players get it, if you will. Like, I think Raheem Sterling's moment came probably at about the... the somewhere in the middle of that... Was it eight games that they opened it without... Ten games that they opened it without a, without losing a point that they, that City had? That sounds right. Yeah, I, I, I think Raheem Sterling's sort of moment of getting it came during that time, and it came because he was getting a significant chunk of playing time, which is something that Manuel Pellegrini hadn't afforded him. Um, I, I think that Sané will start to get it as he plays more and, and becomes more acquainted with first-team action. But the question's going to be, where do all of these speedy attackers that can move centrally or or play wide, what happens to them when Gabriel Jesus comes into this team? That's a very this good is point, a, yeah. I feel like you cannot keep him on the bench right now. He's um, just he's, he's yeah. doing too much. The, 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 thing, the thing is, um, you're going to have a lot of young players that are going to need game time to adapt, and that's going to be, I think, a huge challenge for Guardiola because, you know, you look at Sterling. He's not going to get better by sitting. He's 20, 21 years old. He's not going to get better by sitting on the bench. Same goes for Leroy Sané. Same will go for Gabriel Jesus. So there's going to be a heck of a challenge in there, 
and I, I'm sure he's thought about this, how you're going to balance this, how you're going to get all these guys enough time. Um, so it's a question I don't really have an answer for. Um, but you're absolutely right that confidence comes with playing, um, and playing, you know, playing well, but you can't do that unless you're, if you're not playing. So confidence, development, learning about opponents, nothing will replicate game time. There's nothing that can replicate game time. So, and especially in the case of Gabriel Jesus, who's going to be coming over and adapting to a new league and a new system with new players. He needs to get that time if he wants mm-hmm. to get up to that, up to the level that they're going to want him to be at. So, I don't know. He's got a heck of a challenge coming up here. So, uh, I, I also want to, I know, because it's something we haven't talked about since it's happened, if you don't mind, before we get to Hull. It's sort of a, why don't we go, why don't we go through point C, Should and then I want to get, C? okay. Yeah, and then I want to get to what I'd, I'd consider point D rather than Hull, which is we never talked about our Champions League opponent. And, no, we and didn't. What, That's a very good point. What we think of the draw. That's a very so, good point. Uh, let's, let's, do point, the, let's, let's do let's do point C then, and then we will right. do that because I don't have a lot to talk about in Hull. It's a game they should win. They're at home. You know, yeah. go handle it. Yeah. That's a game yeah. they should win. There's not a lot to say. Hull's, Hull is the worst <laughs> team in the Premier League. So if they don't win this game, I don't know what we're gonna do on the yeah. next. Month. It won't be pretty. <laughs> it won't be pretty. <laughs> okay. Point C then. Um, there's been a new spate of transfer rumors in the last week or so, censoring largely around Atletico Madrid's Antoine Griezmann and Arsenal's Alexis Sanchez, who I presume are going to be playing left back and right back. Ahem! (laughs) (laughs) That's because there's no need for more attackers! (laughs) I mean, there is, unless you're moving someone out the door. Um, which, you know, who knows? But that's that. That's the uh, start and finish of my... It's not really the start and finish of my commentary on that, but it is my first reaction to it. Um, you know, their the, kind of Greetsman in particular is the center-forward mold that Guardiola would play with under in his ideal system. What that means for Aguero, I don't know. But, um... You do, I don't know. It, it feels... Like That's... The only way I see this being pulled off is if you swap a like for like. And Aguero goes back and plays with the only other club in Europe that he's ever played for and will play for until the end of his contract. In, at which time he returns to Independiente. And in return, Manchester City get Anton Griezmann, who feels like he he hasn't been on the move yet, but we it also sounds, haven't seen him yeah. feel like he's playing. It, it and, seems rather widely accepted that he's going to be leaving Atletico at the end of the year. Yeah, it's, with, it's starting with, with Jose in. Mourinho as a known admirer as well, which makes little sense to it me. It does, but uh, so, well, so it goes, I guess. Yeah, I look. If they could do a like for like with Aguero and Griezmann at this point, I honestly think I would take it. We're just at a point where it doesn't make sense unless someone big is leaving. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and to be clear, I would love both of these guys on on the team in a vacuum. Sanchez, I think Sanchez has played too much soccer, and he's going to start getting injured more often yeah, than I, not. I missed, they, the, the time. I think the time to sign him was when he actually joined Arsenal, and they got financial fair play, and they couldn't. Which Manuel Pellegrini openly admitted they would have wanted to sign him if not for that. So. I think there's a point if you want to argue that the time has come and gone for that to happen. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm more okay with City parting with something major for Griezmann than for Alexi Sanchez. Sanchez. Is older no. too. He's 21, yeah. 28, 29. Mm-hmm. As you were to replace him with Uzel, now you're talking. Now, now you're cooking with gas. Uh, I'll happily take that. 
Uzo would make a fine replacement for David Silva, but then again, that's what De Bruyne is supposed to be, so... Well, I mean, every time we play against a big team, I suppose it would be an increased challenge to go down to ten men. I can't help it. I can't help but make the jokes. Ah, that's true. That's true. I cannot help. I've made the Mesut Ozil disappearing act jokes for, like, literally three years. I cannot stop now. You can't. Um, I cannot help myself. I can't do it. But... He really does. I would rather just keep De Bruyne and then go for it with him. And then, um... Then you, maybe you can have a front three that involves some combination of Sterling, Sané, Gabriel Jesus, and yeah, that basically. And Griezmann, if we're talking you, about signing him or something like that. Would you would you take Griezmann if it came at the cost of Aguero? That is a heck of a question, isn't it? All things being equal, I think I would. You know, taking sentimentality out of the equation. I just, in the world of sports, Aguero is and always will be one of my favorite players. You're getting you're getting younger, first of all, by a good three, four years. Because Griezmann turns... Significant, significantly turns, younger. You're, you're, you're getting good. both younger. He turns 26 in March, but you're also getting basically the finished product younger. Um, less of an injury risk. And someone who is probably, again, going with the finished product, more of a fit for what Guardiola wants to do right now. Mm-hmm. So, taking just, all sentimentality I, and all the side out of it, then yes, it makes sense. I, I just think Aguero isn't fitting in. As much as I do not want to say that, I think Aguero is a square peg in a round hole right now. I think Guardiola thought he was getting something different with Aguero, maybe like a Luis Suarez type player. More malleable. Yeah, and and it turns out that Aguero. If they don't put the time in, then it can't be done. But maybe I don't know if they will put the time in. I don't know if he'll stay healthy enough to for them to be able to put the time in. Yeah, that's that's my biggest concern with him, and then I kind of feel. And you know what do you like, what do you have does, by the time you you and I'm just, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. To, I will openly admit that. Um, but you know what do you have by the time you put the time in? Because he's going to be you know give him another year. You're talking twenty nine, thirty years old. Um, you know I don't I don't I don't want to see him leave. I should put make that clear. But. I, as, as I play devil's advocate, I can see the points that people will be making. Yeah, it's just, it's, for me, it's that Aguero doesn't and hasn't seemed to fit in. Like, Guardiola, he talks about opportunities quite a bit. He talks about converting chances. And I hate saying this, I really do, but nobody has muffed more chances this year for Manchester City than Sergio Aguero. And if your primary job, your primary job, is to put the ball on the back of the net and you're not getting it done, then, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I I just I think Griezmann like it falls back to what you said. Griezmann plays a style of football that Guardiola uh would like to play. Aguero plays. Yeah. If if we're using sort of a straight up XP of the Bayern system, which I know he's not running with, but that sort of player. That's not necessarily true. The last two games. Yeah, I guess. Uh, run the four one four one, which is what he did run at Bayern, and and that seems to be what what is working for Manchester City is a four one four one that just moves and adapts. Um, it would appear that the three at the back experiment is over, thank God, because that never worked. We just City either didn't have the players for it, or they just didn't have the right players for both. it. <laughs> I think they didn't yeah. have the players and they didn't have the understanding to pull that off right now. Maybe in the future, yeah. but not this year. Not with these players. So does, does it... You know, Guardiola said he thinks it's going to be a quiet transfer period. Do you believe him? 
He also hedged on that a little and said, you know, maybe, which I thought was interesting because usually they're so flatly deny, denying every any sort of trans January activity that for him to even leave the door open a crack, I thought was interesting. Um, Cause see the let me see if I can pull up this quote here. Continue continue as you were while I while I work. Well, the point the point that I would make is that usually in the past, even in the windows that they have signed someone, City have just been like, no, we're not going to sign anyone. So for Guardiola to leave the door open a crack and say, you know, you never know what might happen in January because that is essentially what he said. Um, here's 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 the full quote from Guardiola. <clears throat> I'm happy with what we have. Our job is to give confidence to the players that we have. I'm not denying maybe we are going to look for something. Exactly. I'm not saying that. But I think right now it's not going to happen, and what we have to do is convince the players we have of their own qualities. I'm happy with the players we have. Of course, Gabriel Jesus is coming, We ha and we have another striker. Uh, and then he went on to concede about uh, control of game and this, that, and the other can, uh, can counter attack. Can I give you what I think my translation of that quote will be? Would be yes, because please. I would translate that as saying, "Well, we have assessed the market, and at the moment, there is nothing that we see that's plausible. But there are players that we would like, and if that changes, you bet your bottom dollar we're going to go into the transfer market in January." I kind of I I like that translation. That translation sounds richly accurate because he's, to me. he's kind of walking this line where he doesn't want to make it sound like he's not satisfied with the players while also being not entirely satisfied with the players. The one thing I've noticed about the British media is they're not brushed up on coach speak like we are here in America. There just aren't enough sports over there, and well, that and there's a lot of honesty. Um, <laughs> They tend to be more honest uh, about these things, managers ac across the sea do, than, than managers here. But what I would say is uh, people don't – they don't seem to get read through coach speak well enough uh, across the pond. Which is funny and because I think is, the, the, uh, the way that um, football managers in the Premier League talk is even more transparently like playing people than it is here. <laughs> That's, it's kind of like if you wanted to get a, a, a what do you call it, a 101 course in college on coach speak, it's like, go watch the Premier League. All right, now you need a 400-level course, come and watch some college football recruiting. You know, <laughs> then there's some real coach speak. Or if you don't want coach uh, speak at all, go watch a Greg Popovich highlight reel. <laughs> Ah, man, got to love Greg Popovich, especially with Craig Sager. Rest in peace, who, Craig. Rest in peace, Craig Sager. We really would be remiss. We're probably the only yeah, podcast. This is kind on of outside of the spirit of what we talk about, but it's worth a mention. Yes, yes. For those of you who don't know who Craig Sager is, he was an American sports treasure. I'm not even going to say. Out. I'm going to say treasure. If you're British and you don't know and, who Craig Sager is, just Google him. Trust us. Just Google him. You know what? Go to Google Images. Yes. Don't spend time. I do spend time reading about the man, but first spend time admiring the man. Very well put. Anyway. So, but, I mean, transfer. getting back to transfer windows, so Gabriel Jesus is going to come in. Where do you think that he slots in? How do you think that he's going to fit in with this team? Do you think Guardiola is going to use him wide like he has been used in the past? Is he going to play him more centrally? Does he wind up getting more opportunities than Aguero, less? What's What What do you think is going to happen with Azus? I don't know he gets more opportunities than Aguero. I still think that Guardiola, as long as he has Aguero, will give Aguero enough opportunities to try to convince him. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jesus used centrally. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I think Sané could be dislodged. I think that, you know, if you're, you're talking Sterling, Sané, and Jesus, then you got three guys for two spots. You can rotate a little bit and still get them a fair amount of playing time. Um, what happened to Iheanacho, by the way? We all talked about how maybe this would be his chance to impress him. We haven't seen him at all. 
I don't know. I don't know what that says about anything that's going on right now behind the scenes, but I I thought that was I interesting because you know he did not start against Arsenal. He came in very late off the bench. It, it's it's weird to me that Ianacho is where he's at, and I wonder if he did something or didn't do something. Yeah, yeah, as, 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 the, as the case, case maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting though that you mentioned it because I hadn't really, I hadn't dwelled. Yeah, I on hadn't it. dwelled on it either. Uh, but we're talking about you know, and I just my my mind went back to that whole well, Aguero's going to be suspended. The Nacho's the obvious replacement. Here's your chance, buddy. And he play he started that one game, didn't do much, but then neither you know neither did anybody else, and then he just hasn't. He didn't get another chance after. I know we're not talking about a huge sample size of games and that she's been shut out of, but it was just it struck me as a little bit interesting that that was happening. I I really honestly and truly do hope that Ianacho hasn't fallen out of favor with the current administration. I think that would sadden me to no end if that were the case. That is my portable heater beating in the background. Um, that'd sadden me to no end because I really like him. Um, I think he can do a little he bit of everything. Club and in the near future. Yeah, he... Yeah, as a matter of fact, come, come the next Champions League submission list... Both he and Jesus should be able to be on the roster because he will qualify as a, a B player. Um, but the, the, man, Guardiola has a lot of decisions to make coming up, and and I don't envy those decisions, but. One thing I do know is that he's getting paid enough money to make them. But it's we're coming close to the time, and it's not going to be this year. But as this year winds down, we're now basically halfway through the season. Um, Guardiola is rapidly, rapidly approaching that moment of... I need to decide what these players are and if they fit in toward the future. Because you got to start making contact with players here sooner than later. You right. know, after... If, if anyone, after, if anyone after, is still under the impression that you, you just start doing transfers on June 1st, no, that's not how it works. You've got the framework no, of no, the stuff yeah. done months in advance. Yeah, and that time is coming up. Probably as as it's, soon as it's in, I think yeah, in seven days, eight days. Yeah, as soon as the January transfer window ends, then they immediately start talking about summer. Because they, they mentioned it during the Arsenal game with Yaya. Come January, he's free to start negotiating right, yeah. with new teams, and anybody else who's at the end of their contract is free to do the same with certain. You know what? There's one thing. <laughs> There's one but name that we did not mention. Go for it. And it was a possibility that Guardiola was going to swoop him up from Barcelona, Mr. Dario Oh, that's Serna. right. I saw that one. At the tender old age of 34 yeah, that really years old. that addresses your problem. <laughs> because, because going from a 32 and a 33-year-old fullback to a 34-year-old fullback is going to improve the back four, right? I mean, I don't think he's a bad player, but he's not a solution in any sense of the word. You know, it's it's uh, maybe a solution for three months, but it's, I thought we were past the point of short-term stock gap planning, but... Yeah, I that one. I did a double take when I saw that one. It's like you finally get linked to a fullback, and he's thirty-four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> finally. The comps on that one were the richest that I have ever seen in my entire life. Because this was Manchester City who put it out. Because they're one of the few clubs who acknowledges the transfer rumors that are going around in their in-house journalism, and the comments from the fans on City were just. 
they do themselves justice. <laughs> but more or less, it was the same thing we're saying. Really? We finally go after a, th- a fullback. We've been asking for a fullback for years, and you guys go after a 34-year-old. Like, good lord, man. Uh, you know what, though? Dario Serna had a hell of a Euro campaign. I'll say that, man. I mean, that's the uh, point. I'm not trying to, like, slate him and say he's a bad player or anything, but it's not... City need to get some actual long-term solutions in here. But don't you think that that's going to be accomplished probably more in, in the... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're signing him for, like, um, I, you know, do something for us for three months and then maybe you can provide cover after we sign someone younger in the summer, I can live with that. But... When it's the only fullback being linked, then I'm going to, you know, <laughs> sit here and make fun of it. Is basically how this is going to go. I mean, he had he had an absolutely hell of a run with the Croatian national team uh, this past uh, summer. I mean, he was probably one of their best players. But the dude's jersey number is younger than him. He wears 33, but is 34. I mean, my only my only thing is this, is if I don't mind stopgap employment if City are trying to win a title. If Pep, if Pep still believes in his heart that City can win the Premier League this year, not necessarily do anything amazingly special, but Pep has this sense of pride about him. He's never not won a title, which is kind of strange. Um, if, if Pep is of the opinion that Cerna can help see City over the line, and because he's 34, they can get him cheap, is are, do you then become okay with some stopgap yes. employment if, if this know. is just... And I think he probably does still think he can win the title. I, I See, that's where I'm at. I think that Pep believes that they are, are capable of winning the title. Because I'll tell you what, outside of an outstanding defense, I'm not seeing it from Chelsea. Like, maybe everyone else is blown away by them, but I'm not. I think Chelsea is where they are right now, because much like last year, Premier teams are fumbling and stumbling. Everybody said, oh, Manchester is not going to be as bad as they were last year. Well, they're right. They're not. They're just not as good as they could be. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm not even sure if they are as good as they are as they were last year. Because um, didn't Louis Van Hall have them at least right outside the top four? Yeah, Um so far, I think that if you look at those, I, I mean, I, I don't quote me on this. I should, probably shouldn't say it, but don't quote me on this. But I think if you look at those, you know, equivalency things, I think they're actually below where they were against these common opponents last year. Yeah, I'm going to look at the Premier League table but right now. Yeah, they were, yeah. Uh, they are a team that doesn't seem to have really clicked at all yet. Um so, but you look at the at the Premier League and Arsenal, are Arsenal, as ever, they always yep, always have been, and always will be as long as Wenger's around. Um, do we need Leicester to do better? Huh. I don't know. I'm, su- I'm surprised they're well, I, I, bad I, as they are. You, the reason I ask you is because you're very prideful over bad records, historically bad records. Like, you don't want... Well, Leicester are very close to becoming the second team to win the league title and get relegated the following season. Yeah. I don't really want to share that record with them. And I also don't actually think they'll get relegated. I know where they are, but um, I think ultimately Hull and Sunderland are way worse. And then someone else will find a way to fall through that trapdoor without them. I thought they would be better. Th- I thought they would fall back to sort of being a 10th place, sort of. I think the loss of Ngolo Conte yeah, was going to kill them. I think that was a bigger loss uh, than even the most uh, pessimistic person might have thought because, you know. 
I think everyone everyone thought Buster would come back. Kind of sad that City were like, we don't want Angolo right. Conte. Well, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why? Shall we talk about Monaco before we wrap this up here? Yeah. Let's talk let's, about let's do a little Monaco. Monaco let's get out of here. The thing about Monaco is, as PSG are having an oddly floundering series of results in Ligue 1, Monaco have by far the best goal differential. In the division, they are outpacing everyone else with 50, ridiculous. 36. 56 goals for in 19 games. Um, the second highest at PSG has 38 goals for in 19 games. They have, to use the phrase in the, in the parlance, been scoring for fun. Um, not, they don't have the best defense in the league they're you know in the top half of teams but there are one two three four five six teams that have allowed fewer goals than they have but they're also not awful 20 goals in 19 games they're shipping about one goal a game but when you're scoring 56 in 19 that doesn't really matter does it so no that is what we are dealing with and obviously things can change in form between now and february but and in monaco have had you know they just lost to leon um but this is not a team. They're scoring where, almost three. This is not game. a team that like, you can sit here and take goal, lightly. Their goals per game average is two point nine five, rounded up. Two point four, two point nine four seven. So they're roughly scoring about two point nine five three goals a game and shipping one. I mean. And, and the funny part about this is is that Monaco is usually known as a team that plays defense. And a lot of it. And uh, yet, that's uh, not what they're playing this year. They are, they, they are an offensive scoring juggernaut. What I'm curious is, Liga on play... It's sort of a different beast, as Paris Saint-Germain yeah, have proved time in and time. We at length, namely, that they don't get tested that much. Mm-hmm. So, are you buying into Monaco? Uh, or are you thinking that this is a table that that uh, can easily... Or, excuse me, are you buying into Monaco, or are you thinking that this is a fixture, not a table, that City can get past with ease if they play with their heads correctly. I'm buying Monaco. I don't think this will be easy. I think City can get by them if they, you know, play to their potential. But it's hard. I don't care what league you're in. You can't really ignore numbers like that. You know, it, for we, we are going... We say things about, you know, Lee Un when rightfully so. Um, but there's still one of Europe's top, you know, what, five, six leagues, and they are still... The group that they beat, mind you, to get to where they were, and they finished one point ahead of Bayer Leverkusen to top their group, but they were in a group with CSKA Moscow, Tottenham, and obviously Bayer Leverkusen, and they finished that with a single loss. They had three wins, two draws, and one loss. That's a you know once you start getting into the double digit points in your Champions League group table, especially with a loaded kind of group like honestly, if you would have told me that Monaco and Bayer were gonna be the teams that advanced in that group, I probably wouldn't have yeah. believed you after Tottenham yeah. last year. Um, and and you look at their 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 team. Um, you look at, they have Falcao, who's not Falcao anymore, but he's still scoring goals again. Um, Thomas Lemar, who I always like. Fabinho, who's a right back that I would like City to sign. I really like Fabinho so much. Um, Bernardo Silva, um, Adam Adam Adamateore, who has been linked to Premier League moves in the past. Tottenham wanted him literally, seemed like every transfer window ever, um, so those are players that are, they're not, this is not a joke of a team that's just beating up on a bad league. These are players that could play in different leagues and probably succeed. 
Um, even though they haven't proven it yet, I, I, I rate a lot of these players. Even Glick, who plays, uh, I believe, yeah. center back for them, he he had a hell of a Euro campaign mm-hmm. too. Like, I mean, the uh, the Polish team didn't exactly do a hell of a lot moving forward. I, I think Lewandowski, you know, but they had they had some work to do defensively, and Glick was I can't count the number of times he made a tremendous tackle or he had his name called out by the announcers. So this is a team that worries me personally greatly. I'm not convinced at all that City in their current form can get past Monaco. In their current form? If you match them up on form right now, I don't think City would have find, find themselves very happy with how that would turn out. Um, no. You know, you, you have, I, they, I do worry about this one because... If they get out the back four, you know, barring changes, maybe there's going to be some magical uptick in form in January, February that we will see. But in their current mm-hmm. state, you would back Monaco's attack to victimize City's defense. So, I would, I would honestly back Monaco's attack to just uh, victimize is is close to the word I would choose, but I need something that's bastardized. That's what I'm looking for. E- eviscerate? Eviscerate's a good one. <laughs> you you take it, and, and that's what I would bet to happen right now. I just, I do not trust City's defense as far as I can throw them. That's and fair. I have a very bad back <laughs> right now. That's a fair point. Um, so, obviously, we will preview those ties as, when the time comes, when they're the next game, but it was good to take a look at this, and Keep an eye on Monaco's form, um, because they have been on fire in Ligue 1. And frankly, they are fun, frankly, do, they are fun I, to watch. They really, I've always kind of liked Monaco as it is. Like, if, if I had a Ligue 1 team, it would probably be Monaco. Monaco. Yeah, that's the one thing I love about them, is they're a principality. It's, nice it's kind of cool. They're their own attack, sovereign attack territory. Team, if you like Grace Kelly, you know... All sorts of things like that. Um, and a nice little football team they've built over there, to say the least. I do. I, I want to move to Monaco. It I bet lovely. it's really nice there. They've got a great Grand Prix. They do. So, we... So. <laughs> We've, we've uh, now gone off on a tangent uh, about there, Monaco. We were just informing you about Monaco we were, in case you didn't Monaco know anything. The Monaco Tourism Department but, is not paying us. Um, this is all us. We get a check yeah, the mail. That'd be awesome. Them, but we're doing this by our own volition. Um, so, is there anything you would like to conclude with, either about Monaco or anything else? No, I... Uh, the only thing that I would say is... I'm still waiting for that moment, and I don't think it's going to happen where this team clicks in any capacity. I think Guardiola, and and, and he's been forthright about this, saying that, you know, this is going to take a, it. It's a project. I, I, I truly believe that Manchester City are still a season away from from being anything close to what you would consider a Guardiola team. Whether or not they can get out of it with a, with a league title, pick Chelsea maybe at the last minute, we'll find out. But um, unless something happens in January where City are are you know, just planning, and and they've already spent a lot of money, so I'm inclined to believe Guardiola. Unless something happens, I just, I don't see how adding Gabriel Jesus helps Manchester City at all. I mean, it does, but not in their current form. Not this season, is what you're saying. No, no. Yeah, well, it doesn't help, it doesn't help them where they're hurting right now. Right. Manchester City are very sick at the moment, <laughs> and and Gabriel Jesus is not the ailment. Yeah, that's it. So you're you're saying that they're taking um, cough medicine for a broken foot? 
That's exactly and that what is I'm what saying. we will close on with this episode. <laughs> That's a great. There's the, the episode, episode title: Cough, Cough Medicine for a Broken Foot. Okay, all right. Um, well, in that case, we will. Uh, we'll be back at you eventually. We've we've had a couple of long weeks, so we're not going to make a promise of when we'll do that. But we will talk to you after the whole game at some point. Um, and we wish everybody a happy holiday. By the way, whatever. Yeah, wherever, whatever day, you Mary- may celebrate, wherever you may celebrate it, we hope you enjoy the holiday. Um, we'll, I assume we'll talk to you again before the New Year, so I'm not going to wish you freaks a happy New Year first but yet because it's not time yet. Um, yeah, you, 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 wait, you survive Christmas. Christmas and you survive Boxing Day, and you, you survive <laughs> Christmas at Grandma Paul's, then you'll get a, a happy New Year from us. So on that bright holiday wish for all of you, um, in all sincerity, we hope you enjoy the holiday and we will talk to you. Enjoy the game, hopefully. And on behalf of both of us, have a good Christmas, whatever you may celebrate. We will talk to you again soon. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and we are sponsored by Blog Talk Radio. So thanks for listening. Um, we'll talk to you again soon. Happy holidays, everybody. Hello!